0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com/slash-picturelock. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course PR for the Indie Filmmaker does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do, And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realized that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know and a behind-the-scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your films, PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community and become an army of one. It's Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous, award-winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. All films and their descriptions for the 2018 DC Black Film Festival are up at dcbff.org. Make sure you check it out to find out the films that you can see August 16th through 18th in Southeast DC at the Miracle Theater. This week I'm still talking with filmmakers whose films will be in the DC Black Film Festival showcase. Today, I'm talking with two filmmakers from our History and Hidden Figures block, which will take a look at stories from our History and Hidden Figures that should be known Friday, August 17th, beginning at 9 a.m. I have the writer, producer, director, star of Padlock Men, Louis T. Powell, and writer, director of Rivermint, Shayla Raquel. Next, I have two filmmakers from our Friends, How Many of Us Have Them film block, which will play Saturday, August 18th, from 11.20 a.m. to 1.50 p.m., and focuses on films of friendship or the lack thereof. I have interviews with the writer-director of Blue Diamonds, Patrick House, and the director and producer of the web series Lost Kings, Terrence Smalls, and Michael Faulkner, respectively. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock.
1: Hey everybody, it's Praheem here, writer-director of Stuck, and you are listening to Picture Lock.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and 86-year-old Walter Posey-Fadrell shares one of his youthful memoirs of the historically secret band of vigilante civil rights soldiers known as the Padlock Men. With this, the civil rights movement will never be the same. I have the film's writer, director, producer, and star, Louis T. Powell, on the line. Louis, welcome to Picture Lock. Hello,
2: hello, Picture Lock. How you doing? How you doing this morning?
0: I'm <laughs> doing all right, my man. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, first question I always start out with, Louis. When did you first fall in love with film?
2: Man, <laughs> you know, I first fell in love with film. Uh, it's been so many movies, man. I was, a, I was a young kid, man. You know, I just always was a big fan of storytelling. So, you know, it started off with uh little small plays in the seventh and eighth grade. But you know, just like everybody else, I'm a, I'm a movie lover. You know, I, when I watch movies like Forrest Gump and uh, Braveheart and A Far and Away Place and you know, uh, I'm going to get you sucker. Any any of those movies, man. It was just like <laughs> classic. The, the space the space behind it where it's like you had that escapism. You know, and being a, a a child and being able to say, oh man, oh, I can go out and I can experience different things just through a visual medium, and that's when I felt you
0: know, that I fell in love with storytelling and film. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense, uh, and I can appreciate that as a Um uh, Man, you said, I'm going to get you, sucker. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, nobody has brought that up yet, but, like, man, I have that in my DVD collection. That's something that me and my brother, we used to watch crack up to all yeah. the time.
2: Like, man, what's
0: life without laughter, dude? You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Louis, so if you could, you know, take me from the kid who is watching uh, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. And, <laughs> man, this just got me tripping, man. Like, that's like such a, oh, man, there's so many scenes I would love to talk about. But, it, uh, okay, let's focus on this. So take me from uh, uh, yeah. that kid to, like, the man now who's uh, writing, acting, directing, producing. How would you break into the industry?
2: Well, you know, I started off actually, uh, my focal point was music. Um, I had, uh, uh, I was a producer with a a record on Billboard Charts early on, Um, but it got me into scoring. So, you know, in the D.C. area, I've I've been in L.A. for a while now, about 16 years, but when I lived in D.C., born and raised, uh, we had like a small production company where we shot a lot of commercials for local businesses, and we were shooting a lot of spec, you know, spec commercials, and it, it dove me into the space of scoring, and the whole nine so i had a few partners one of my partners was working over at BET as assistant editor at the time i had another buddy who was a shooter over at abc for channel seven and uh and then my other partner was working at rolling uh rolling house i don't even know if rolling house is still there it was in arlington for a long time rolling house and uh, Henniger audio post so we all kind of combined together man and we were like hey what if we take all our talents and you know create a film together so we shot our first movie in 10 days, man. Um, it was years ago, you know, crappy movie, but we sold it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> nice. And,
2: and, and um and that was kind of the jump in. And then back and forth at that time, I was going back and forth up to Baltimore, uh, doing some casting calls with uh, Pat Moran uh, for a few of their projects, like Liberty Heights that Barry Levinson was doing at the time. Um, you know, Homicide was obviously shooting up there. And it was at that point... I was just like, you know what, it's time to make the jump to L.A. And I made that jump to L.A. in about 2003. And once I got to L.A., uh, we sold that first film, the one we shot for 10 days. And then I was like, okay, well, let's jump into something else. Shot another short uh, around 2004, 2005. Um, Then I was like, I want to get my legs wet, you know. And I was always coming from an independent mindset um, of production. So, we wanted to find something that we could shoot cheap, you know, to bring out the market again. So that's when we shot another project I did called uh, mock- mockumentary um, called How to Build a of the J.P. McClain story, which was a, a, a 90-minute mockumentary that we actually sold in 2008, which was pretty cool. Um, at that time, I was looking for an agent, you know, in L.A., because I was d- doing a lot of little acting gigs back and forth. And Funny story, man. It's like just even going back to the D.C. area. Um, I had one of my partners, we did this show called, uh, the look for the learning channel and we played two bad guys. And I remember he went on the, the wire and he's on the runaways now. And then we saw each other like years later in LA, which is kind of wild, man, because I remember that being back in like 99. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it's like, that was kind of the trajectory. I, I mean, I, when I came in, you know, I, I to this date, I've had, uh-oh, I had a technical difficulty.
0: Who that? <laughs> <laughs> obviously you know native dc uh it's awesome that you're coming back to dc black film festival uh with yeah. padlock men and if you could yeah um Luis, let's go ahead and jump into padlock men um what okay. inspired you to uh write direct and produce and, and and star in this film well
2: you know like i said going back over my a little bit like how I briefed over my resume. It was a point in time where every filmmaker grows and everything is an evolution. And, you know, I hadn't stepped into the role of a filmmaker and actor-director position within my own context of my project. It had been about six years because for about three and a half years I worked alongside with a, a comedian, uh, one of my partners, A.P.R. Crockett, and I was doing development with him at the time. So I developed about 24 projects, but it was mainly around his his, his uh his band and brand um, for his company, Legion Entertainment. So at that point in time, it was just like, you know what? I'm really ready to show all of this history that I have as a filmmaker, you know, and an actor, director and a writer. I want to be able to put it and encompass it into something that I feel passionate about. And I was waiting for a project to come along uh, that I felt that way about. And Pat Lockman came to me in a dream and I woke up at around like five o'clock in the morning. Actually, it was, it ran around like four, actually, about four four or five in the morning, and I had saw these vivid pictures uh, in my brain that had just popped through where the movie pretty much wrote itself, and it was a thing where, where I saw Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, and Malcolm X all come together uh, for this anti-assassination team known as the Padlockman, and from there, I was just like, wow, this will make a great book, so When uh, I started writing it, I started actually writing it as a book. And then I was like, the characters started taking so much more depth that I looked at it and I said, you know what, well, this may make a great film. And when I looked at it as a film, I said, man, it's like these characters are so much. Well, you know, I'll just allow myself to just let it go where it pleases. So I started writing on it about, about, I would say about 300 note cards later, which was about, I started that process in about 2014, um, about 2014, uh, when mid-2015 came around, I was just like, you know what? I'm ready to shoot something else. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm ready to do something. So I took that, those 300 note cards, I doing them down to about 16 pages, man. My hardest 16 pages that I could put together that could really give me an intro into the story, and it leaves people wanting to know where these guys came from and where they're going. And I, that's when Padlockman was born. in the actual short film, was born.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking to the guy that went through 300 note cards just to bring you Padlock man. It's the writer, director, <laughs> producer, and star Lewis T. Powell. man, that's that's uh, pretty and crazy pretty, pretty incredible, I'm sorry. Um, you know, and I know i'm I'm joking in terms of like going through all that, but uh, you can definitely tell yeah. that the film has love and care behind it, uh, the creativity within it. Um, There's so much to geek out on, and unfortunately, we don't have enough time to do it. But, you know, the cinematography is on point. The acting is on point. um, Uh, Thank you, brother. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not done yet. Uh, (laughs) You know, (laughs) just the way that you blend in all the different elements of filmmaking and storytelling um, to give us a film uh, like Padlock, man, that honestly, like, you're kind of like, Wait a second, is this true? <laughs> so yes. I, yes. What, what I want to <laughs> ask, you know, one last question before we kind of wrap out and get, you know, social media contact and all oh. that good stuff is okay. um, in terms of constructing a film in which you lead your audience, uh, but yet it feels like a real and lived in world. Uh, how did you do that? Just because, I mean, maybe it's the filmmaker in me that's like, man, the yeah, the way that you did that yeah. is it's it's skilled. It it takes skill. So, yeah. How did you do that?
2: Well, you know, for me, everything comes down to research and pre-production, a lot of pre-planning. It's like, you know, I'm a real firm believer in, in doing the due diligence on the aspects of authenticity. And that was important to me about production design. First thing is, you know, a lot of times when you see flashbacks in movies or you see movies go back to a different time and space, they do it with a different type of color, a different type of texture when they take you back in time. And I was like, you know what? I didn't want to go with that type of cliche feel. So I said, you know what? How can we do with this uh, with real aesthetics and I want to take real vintage real vintage production design and props from the 1960s to really give people that era and space even down to the wardrobe. So everything had to have that minute bit of authenticity. And then at the same time it's like for the bring, to bring the truth in the story, I'm a real historian buff. So, you know, it took detail in going through uh, JFK's life, Martin Luther King's life, Malcolm X's life, you know, and then seeing, like, how some of the historical, the historical things that we know as facts as people have gone through history and how they kind of tie in together to give it that, that, that feel of authenticity. So, it, 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 and I'll tell you this, you know, I wanted to shoot it with, you know, minimal lighting, I wanted to keep it as natural as possible, but at the same time, give it a gritty edge so it still puts you in that world It's like, okay, wow, I really feel like that I've gone into a time war. So.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, and, you know, I, it kind of reminds me of, um, oh, man, what is uh, uh, D. Reasons? Who's in it? Who's in it? D. D Reasons' I, film last year, uh, which was uh, Mudbound. Was it Mudbound or Mud? Yeah. Mudbound. Yeah. Uh, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. D. Reed's film about. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's this. He had that it, that same type of feel. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it's like yeah. it's like nah, man. This is this feels like a lived-in world. Sorry, my brain was uh, spacing for a second there, but uh, yeah, man. I I just think that um, the film, like you said, the 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 research that you put into it, um, you know, trying to get the set uh, as historically accurate as possible, just. Uh, works together to lead uh, the audience um, and into a place and a space where after the lights come up, we can really talk about uh, what happened yeah. in the film. So uh, I'm really yeah, excited to was, be... It
2: was like, a, it was. I wanted to make it a cinematic experience, man. And like I said, the days are old from when I was a kid. I always wanted to feel like that, all right, I want to feel like I'm creating a world for somebody else that they can experience it the same way. So.
0: <laughs> There we go. And you've done that, uh, folks. You can definitely check out Padlock Men at the DC Black Film Festival. It's going to be a part of our uh, History and Hidden Figures uh, block on Friday morning. Um, Lewis T. Powell, if you could, let folks know how they can find you on social media, follow uh, you, and find out more about the film.
2: You can follow me at, at my full name, Lewis T. Powell, uh, on Instagram. Twitter and Facebook. Uh, my website is lewisttprow.com. My Instagram for Padlock Men is at padlockmentvshow. And I wanted to say, you know, Kevin, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. And thank you. It's a blessing to be a part of the DC Black Film Festival. I'm so glad to see someone stepped in and created a venue like this for, you know, brothers like myself and you to be able to showcase our talents for filmmakers that are evolving and from all um, broad bands of the spectrum. Thank you again.
0: Hey man, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's, this is all a part of one big machine, man. Uh, t- just to be able to display a film like this, I appreciate the work you put in. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, once again, Louis T. Powell, he's the writer, director, producer of Padlock Man. Thanks for coming on Picture Lock. Appreciate you, brother. I'll see, see you in August.
2: <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Chad Quinn, the
1: writer-director for The Love of Music, and you're listening to Picture Lock.
0: A former civil rights activist fears for the safety of her granddaughter, who is determined to follow in her footsteps in the film Riverman. I have the film's writer-director, Shayla Raquel, on the line. Shayla, welcome to Picture Lock.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Shayla, a first question I always start out with. When did you first fall in love with film?
4: You know, it's really hard to put a a pinpoint time because there's different parts in my life that I think are noteworthy that made me realize how much um, I love film as a medium. Um, but I would definitely have to say probably when I was um, 12 years old, um, My I remember my father... That was, like, one of the things we used to do um, together. We would always go to the movies. We would always sit and analyze the movies. And uh, with me um, being born with sickle cell disease, I got really sick when I was 12 years old. I had a stroke. And um, having to sit there, I would just sit there and watch all of these movies, and then I would create stories of of my own and shorts of my own. I just can remember that being a a crucial time where I said to myself, this is something I could – I know I could um, really do. Um, I really loved it because it gave me an escape, so I think that was probably that that moment where i said i love I love this, I love film.
0: Wow, what an incredible story. uh, you know, it reminds me of my mom because uh when she was young she she just had real bad allergies. she had to stay inside, you know, get shots every week, and uh that's how she became a fanatic sports lover, uh, um, which I mean, (laughs) she can go toe to toe with, uh, anybody, I think on NCAA, uh, basketball and everything. Um, but I love the fact that you, (laughs) I love the the fact that you turned something that, you know, could have got you down, brought you down into something positive. Um, and, and now we have River Mint. So if you could take us, uh, Give us a little backstory. How did you get into the industry?
4: So um, how I got into the industry was actually in high school. Um, I can remember I had a, a teacher because at, at one point um, I wanted to do theater. I, to, I was in the drama club, and I just had a really good teacher. I'll never forget her. Her name was Mrs. Blanche Johnson. And um, I went to a predominantly black school, and she just looked at us, and she all said, I know you all want to be actors and basketball players, but I really want you all to um, discover what, film and what theater all has to offer and get behind the camera, get behind the scenes, learn what it means to be a production manager, learn what it means to be a director, learn what it means to be a writer and see if you like those mediums as well. And so um, she she really took to me and I, it it made me really think about that. And so I can remember going home and just writing my first play, first script. And she um, was like, she loved it. And she made like all the drama department produce it, and then um, she just got me behind the camera to like be a, a director. And so from that moment, um, I was like, yes, we, I can definitely get into this industry. And then um, I took that, I took that skill I had learned of using the camera as a way to share, tell, tell stories. And then, um, I used that in college as a way to kind of make a little side money. So for like the grief and the businesses and the organizations that really needed like some type of promo video, um, (laughs) I would just make their videos for them. That was like my hustle. That was like my, my way of getting out of the ramen noodle soup (laughs) for a night. Right. And so once I graduated, um, I used those videos I made in college for other people and, um, I just went and used that in order to get into film school, and that was kind of
0: where I blossomed in the in the field. Shout out to Miss Johnson and all the teachers that impact our lives, because seriously, <laughs> uh, I mean, Absolutely. I can, you, you, no, I, I remember Donna Wilson was my acting teacher in uh, in high school, and I remember she pulled. That was back in the day when you had to roll out the TV, so she rolled the TV out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> She played.
4: That was my day too What do you mean That's my day
0: (laughs) Right 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 She pulled out uh, Save the Last Dance And uh, Julia Stiles like body double Like doing all the dancing Had been a former student at our school But nonetheless it's like By her doing that it's like Oh snap like you can go from Columbia South Carolina to you know Being in a movie you know like And it gives you that hope so shout out to Miss Johnson And all the teachers that are like her
4: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> all right, Shayla. Uh, let me just jump in. You're listening to Picture Like I'm having way too much fun with Shayla Raquel. She's the writer director of Rivermint. Shayla, if you could, uh, in your own words, what is Rivermint all about?
4: Um, so, Rivermint is basically a story that I wanted to um, use to bridge the gap between um, Black Power movement. Um, It's a story about a grandmother who was once a civil rights activist in the 1960s. And, of course, when she has grandchildren, she instills in her, in her grandchildren, um, everything that she's been through back in her day. So, of course, that makes her grandchildren racially aware. And when her grandchild goes off to college, she wants to get involved in what's going on in her campus. But once she tries to take it out, that's supposed safe space of school, those boundaries, um, the grandmother fears for um, her safety and sanity. And the purpose of that story is basically to just show that despite, there's there's been a lot of argument about the way we go about things, the way the civil rights and the feminist movement did it back in their day versus the way the Me Too movement and the Black Lives Matter movement and the the movement um, for gun reform is going about things now. And to say that, you know, despite how each movement goes about the way they are we're still fighting and we need that solidarity you know the old guard they they've laid the blueprint they've they've given us the foundation and we are using that and we're building upon it and we're changing um with the time but at the end of the day we need each other we need to be together and um have solidarity because we don't want to be fighting for these same issues in the next 50 years from now um so that was the purpose of the story um just to show you know both sides of the of that coin, but
0: show how we're we're both needed in this fight. Again, folks, you can check out Riverment at the DC Black Film Festival. Man, so I'm about to go into another direction with this, um, but folks, I can say as the festival director and uh, just seeing all the films that kind of came in, you know there are definitely themes that you kind of start to see, like there's different films that, you know, harken back to the civil rights movement, um, films about, you know, black lives matter movement, etc. But this film does something that is cinematically magical in terms of bridging together uh, those two generations. And so as you watch the film, yes, you're entertained by the story but it also leaves you, once the lights come up, thinking about, wow, we're still still dealing with this. Uh, and I think yes. that that is uh, credit to you and kudos to you, Shayla, uh, just in terms of weaving that story together. Um, the cast came to work Um, And I think it's definitely something that folks you don't want to miss. But yeah, I just wanted to give you a quick congratulations. Um, I just really appreciated how everything came together with that. Yeah.
4: Thank you so much. I am so humbled by it. You know, when you have a film idea, you 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 never know how it's going to come about. You just have this this vision in your head, and you're just hoping to meet that vision that you have in your in your head. And um, the team, um, you know, we're from American University, so the majority um, of the people that worked on this film is from that film school, and we just all came together. This it was really ambitious. If you when you people see the film, you'll see just how ambitious. Um, this film was, but the fact that we were all able to pull together and work as a team and get something um, this done with such um, a little amount of funds and a little amount of um, help, it's it's just it just really goes to show just how collaborative the filmmaking process is, and it's rewarding. It's rewarding, especially when we get to hear. Um, reviews as that
0: one that you just gave just now it's it's humbling well thank you so much yeah yeah no problem no problem so if you could um i think wrapping out here before we kind of get to how folks can contact you and all that good stuff what's the one thing that you really want audience members to take away after seeing the film
4: Yeah, I'm just going to echo just that we need solidarity. Um, It's never going to take, it's never going to be one person. It's going to take all of us together. Um, And we need that. We need that solidarity. So, you know, I understand, you know, people are going to do things um, differently. People are going to have different ways to go about this fight. But at the end of the day, we're all needed in that fight. That is what I hope everyone takes
0: Most definitely. Uh, all right. So, Shayla, if you could, how can people uh, follow you on social media, find out more about the film online?
4: Um, definitely. So, um, my personal social media is Shayla Raquel. You can find me on any social media site. Under that is S H A Y L A R A C. Q-U-E-L. Um, that's my Twitter, my Instagram, and my Facebook. Um, as far as the film, the film's website is rivermentfilm.com. That's R-I-V-E-R M-E-N-T film.com. Also, we have social media for the film as well. So that um, it's Riverment Film for Instagram, for Twitter, and also for Facebook. Visit the website. Join our mailing list. Um, that is where we're trying to keep in contact with everybody um, in regards to the film and any other future projects that we
0: have again i've been talking with writer director of *Rivermint*, shayla raquel shayla thanks so much for coming on picture lock
4: thank you so much for having me this is so much fun (laughs) (laughs)
0: let's take a quick break for promos stay tuned What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started PictureLock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR. Finally, a partner as passionate as you. Hey everybody, I appreciate everyone that listens to the Picture Lock Podcast, and for you, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. If you're like me, then it's been a while since you've sat down and read a book, but it hasn't been long since you listened to a podcast. In fact, you're listening to one right now. Why? Because you're able to be entertained, informed, or educated on the go. That's kind of how I like my books as well. With audible.com, I can listen to Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces, or Robert McKee's story when I'm in the mood for learning about the craft, or Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point when I'm trying to learn how to be a better influencer. The point is, a wealth of knowledge is at your fingertips. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com picturelock for a free 30-day trial. It's that easy. Again, that's audibletrial.com picturelock for a free 30-day trial to Audible. Picturelock's question of the week last week was, what is your all-time favorite romantic film? You guys, <laughs> you guys really showed up on this one. Instagram folks showed up in record numbers. At Corey Savage Freeman said, you've got mail and while you were sleeping, at Becky McCumsky, Becky, I hope I got that last name right. Uh, McComisky, my bad. Uh, Becky said, Blue is the Warmest Color is such a beautiful film. As a member of the LGBT community, there's a limited number of truly high caliber films that represent love between two women. And while there was controversy over the sex scenes and especially the directing of them, The scenes depicting loving and fighting between these two women is so raw and so real and pure. It's an astounding film and really truly rips at the heartstrings in a unique way. I'd certainly appreciate Becky's transparency and uh, beautiful words on that film. Blue is the warmest color. At Explore Nollywood said, the notebook made me smitten and cry buckets. (laughs) I can relate. At Aaron Moe said, OMG, too many to name. But aside from several of the above, she was talking about the picture. Also, Untamed Heart, A Walk in the Clouds, Romeo and Juliet, 10 Things I Hate About You and Legends of the Fall, albeit depressing as heck. At Caroline Balewski said, The Notebook, hands down. At Bation said, For sure, my sassy girl is in the top five. At Shaquise SMD said Benjamin Button. That was that was not on my radar, but Shaquise, I, I appreciate you bringing that up to my memory. That was certainly a good love story. At Henry Leaker said Shakespeare in Love. And finally, at the.nels.olson said When Harry Met Sally. Great cast, Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, and jazz soundtrack. Instagram coming through for the win. Now, here's the crazy part. Facebook said, Twitter said, plenty of likes and retweets, though. But for the first time, LinkedIn? (laughs) On LinkedIn, Lakeisha Jackson said, the wedding singer. And Ramona Dixon said, love and basketball. I certainly appreciate the LinkedIn crowd coming through big thanks to everyone who did respond obviously a crowd favorite so this week's question in light of our friends how many of us have them film block what's your all-time favorite buddy or friendship movie the lane is wide open on this one is it 48 hours rush hour thelma and louise beaches friday i mean the list goes on Leave me a message 60 seconds or less on what your all-time favorite buddy or friendship movie is. And I'm going to do my best to play it on next week's show. 202-350-1351. Make sure you let me know your name, where you're from, and the answer to the question. You can always let me know on social media or email me at picturelockshow at gmail.com. And I'll read your answer next episode.
4: Hey, everyone. This is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at FanBolt.com, and you're listening to Picture Lock.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and in Blue Diamonds, a group of friends dealing with erectile dysfunction decide to resort back to their thieving ways to solve their problem and make some extra money in the process. I have the film's writer-director, Patrick House, on the line. Patrick, welcome to Picture Lock.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to cracking into Blue Diamonds. Uh but the first question I always start <laughs> out with Patrick, when did you first fall in love with film?
1: Man, well, I'm originally from South Side Chicago and um my dad was a director of a, a TV show that was ran by a church um that we they filmed on the South Side about the South Side. Uh this was in the early 90s and um you know, I was about Seven when they started it, and I pretty much grew up on the set. My dad always talked about films and and critiqued films, and him and, and other guys from the church who were part of the program—they always were really film, real film buffs. So that's where the the, the fuse was lit. Through my pops.
0: <laughs> Man, that's kind of cool. So as a kid, you were actually on on the set, so you're like really kind of yes. s- seeing how everything works. No yeah. wonder. And, and
1: the thing was, it was. It was a, guerrilla-style, too, so it wasn't like set. You know, we they, they broadcast the church service every Sunday, so they took the same camera and would go to such-and-such such house or they'd go to a block and just pull out the camera and the microphone and the actors and, and yell action and wait for the police to come. And that's
0: how they did it. <laughs> I, I love it. Wait for the police to come. All right, so take me for a little backstory of how you got into the industry. So you're a little boy on your father's sets, and you say, you know what, I really want to do this. And, you know, now we have Blue Diamonds. So what? fill in the gaps of what happened in man. in between there.
1: Oh, man, it's a long, long journey, man. So, I, you know, I went to college. Uh, I played basketball. I went to college. That didn't work out. Dropped out of college. And, you know, I, I always had a passion for film and, and creative and stuff. So I, I I wanted to go into the military. And uh, my friend told me about a job in the military where you actually, it's called combat documentation. So you're pretty much the eyes and ears of the military, all the footage you see on TV from Afghanistan and any military operation, these people actually in the military who go out and shoot it and edit it and whatnot. So I I was able to get that job in the Navy, and I did that for eight years. And then, um, you know, once my time in the Navy was up, I decided to go, you know, refine my skills even further, and I uh, attended the School of Visual Arts. And from there, I was selected for a program <clears throat> where, you know, it's a, it's a filmmaking program, but this is more like an intensive program and we make a, you know, a, we spend the whole year working on a film. And the head of the program is Bob Giraldi. He's the uh, director of Beat It and uh, a lot of big uh, music videos from the 80s. He uh, he came up with a theme for the year. It was the year um, that... that um, Trump was being elected right before he took office, and he said, uh, you know, we need to laugh. You know, the country's going through a rough time, so we need to laugh. So he tasked us with coming up with a funny idea. And just, you know, I'm an old soul. I like old school music. And just, I was listening to uh, to a song. I can't forget the name of the song on the top of my head right now. But I was listening to the song, and just the idea just popped into my head to write this movie, Blue diamonds.
0: You know, man, this is already for me it's just such a fun interview um and i i say that because it's so interesting man like the fact that you know as a kid you know you're doing this guerrilla filmmaking learning uh, on the go with your dad then you're doing um you know in many ways it's guerrilla filmmaking in the navy because like yeah. you're documenting what's going on i i do remember when i was in uh uh... grad school and you know seeing some of those job postings and that's some serious stuff so you know we definitely uh... thank you for your service and and, and just My pleasure. Yeah, de- definitely, man. And, 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 and so then going into the fact that you said, you know, your uh, professor said, hey, the country needs to laugh, which I think is so true. And now we got Blue Diamonds. Ladies and gentlemen, again, yeah. it's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking to the writer-director of Blue Diamonds, Patrick House. The film will be playing at the D.C. Black Film Festival on Saturday. And the Friends, how many of us have them blocked? Oh man, Patrick! Man, this is. Oh, I wish we had a, a lot more time. But if you could, um, just let the audience know in your own words what the film is all about.
1: The film is all about, you know, um, it, it, you know, it's all about um, what you do when your back's against the wall. Um, you know, to what lens and would you go to, to? You know, to to fix a problem. <laughs> just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but it's also about you know, and, and there's more subtext to it that you know I wanted to try to include in there. It's, you know, um, there's a quote from, uh, oh man, I'm blanking right now. It's a, but it's a famous guy. I forget his name, but he said, "History never repeats itself, but it often rhymes." And uh, to me, that was the kind of the, the insight of this, Like these people, this is something that you know these guys used to do. They tried to get away from it, but it came back. Just, but in a different form. So it's just history repeating itself, not literally, but it's rhyming with itself. So that—that's the whole uh, theme of the movie that I, I want to get across.
0: Oh man, you know, uh, I believe that was Mark Twain, right?
1: Yeah, Mark Twain. That's exactly it. Yeah, Mark Twain.
0: There we go. You know, so um, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about the film. Now, I could go into. You know, the cinematography I could go into, uh, the direction I could go into, um, just even the opening scene, I could geek out. However, (laughs) uh, I'm going to choose to focus on The age of your actors. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't get to see a group of, uh, let's say, older, more wiser, more mature people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in films like this. And I thought that was really cool. So talk a little bit about, I I think, one, writing for an older, uh, uh, older characters, but then also, you know, the actors that did a phenomenal job in your shorts.
1: Oh man, thank you. I'm so I'm so glad you mentioned that, man. You know, it's it's uh something I thought of definitely put thought into. Um I, you know, again, growing up on set with my dad with these actors, I'm trying to, you know, I wanted to create this feeling that I got, you know, on set with my dad in the you know, in the late 80s and early 90s from people he had acting and you know, being on behind the scenes with them and listening to their stories. And you know, and, and aside from that, you know, my uncles and and all that kind of stuff. I'm an old soul, you know. I, I'm really interested in history and 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 you know the past and and how it influences the future. So you know, I was I've always been attracted and interested in you know our elders pretty much. And you know, working with this group of people, they were so, you know, the the crew the cast came together organically. You know, it was some people we knew, some people we didn't, some people auditioned, and the first words out of their mouth I was like that's the, you know, they got this part and they were, they were excellent on set. They were excellent to work with very professional, um, but, in and writing, you know, the, uh, content for them, you know, I did a lot of, uh, I listened to, you know, and it's like something else I got from my dad, I, you know, I listened to Richard Pryor and Red Fox and Moms Mabley and a bunch of old comedy albums, just, just to make sure I got the tone right and try to capture that, you know, these specific elements from that time period. I think that I, I still kind of influential now, and you know, just something that resonates with me.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that filmmaking is an obviously it's an art form and in many ways it, it's a dance, right? And I don't know, I don't know about you, but like, you know, when I when I see somebody doing salsa, right? Um uh-huh. it's cool to watch the young folks do it, but when you watch right. the older folks do it, it looks mm. they make it look easy. And I think that's Absolutely. one of the things that kind of came out in Blue Diamonds um, is, you know, everything was authentic in terms of the lines, delivery, et cetera, but they also kind of made it look easy. Um, unfortunately, I can't keep geeking out on this. Uh, I <laughs> one last question before we wrap out here. Um, you know, just in terms of, uh, oh man, there's so many ways I could go. In terms of, you know, the, 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 the cinematography, I think that's one of the things that really does stand out because um, what you have done is, you know, it's it's evoked a certain mood and it almost has like a, a dreamlike feel to it. Um, but it's it's mm-hmm. atmosphere, atmosphere. So if you could talk a little oh, bit man. about that, I, 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 I'd appreciate it.
1: Oh that's something else I have a you know a passion about, and I have an excellent cinematographer named Ed Herrera who I worked with. This that was our second time working there. And, um, yeah, like you said, we wanted to really focus on mood and, you know, creating an atmosphere uh, for these people. We wanted to create a world for these people to exist in that felt natural and, and made the viewer feel comfortable going into that space. And, you know, we really, um, me and Ed, when we work together, we we like to take chances and experiment uh, and, and be creative. Like the night before, we actually stayed at our location that we filmed in. We were We, we slept there overnight the night before and uh we just set up and we watched movies and we talked about you know, we had a shot list set out but we just talked about ways to so expand it and you know since we're in the space we're going to be shooting in, we just kind of took it took time and, and got real acquainted with it and said this would be a nice angle here and we could put the lights here and there and we just had fun you know we, we I, it was re- we have a really good relationship we uh, we collaborate very well together so me and him you know whenever we Sit out and talk about stuff. We, you know, kind of like you said, we geek out. So <laughs> it just worked perfectly.
0: <laughs> well, that's what's up, man. I'm talking with the writer-director of Blue Diamonds, Patrick House. Uh, Patrick, if you could, really quickly, social media. How can folks follow you, the film, uh, and find out more about it online?
1: Oh uh, man, my name uh, on social media is at PatHouse13. Um, you can follow the film at uh, Blue Diamonds underscore film. Uh, I also have a website com. So you can follow me for uh, updates. Um, the music from the film is actually been made into an album by uh, the composer His name is Mark Sinkado so you know that's coming out soon so yeah if you follow me on social media you can keep up with all these things that happen. Wow.
0: Folks, it's definitely one you don't want to miss at the D.C. Black Film Festival, Blue Diamonds. uh, Patrick, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm I'm honored, man. I really am. I I appreciate it a lot. Hey, everybody. This is Bruce
3: Gorman, Jr., writer, director, producer of Thurman Comes Home, and you're listening to Picture Lock with Kevin Sampson.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and Lost Kings, the series, is the story of a young woman thriving in a world in which she was meant to fail. Set in Baltimore, Max copes with the murder of her brother and stumbles into a conspiracy of police corruption. I have the web series director Terrence Smalls and producer Michael Faulkner on the line. Guys, welcome to Picture Lock.
5: Thanks, great to be here. Hey, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having us.
0: It's my pleasure. Uh, first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Terrence, let's start with you. Uh,
5: I would say at a young age, my mom, she... Um, she
0: had a thing for, like, old mob movies, so she would play those a lot. So I kind of
5: learned
3: from, uh, like, at a young age, uh, classics. I learned about the classics at an early age. For me, um, I, I remember as, as a little kid, like, I don't know, six or seven, I was I was home from school sick, and there was, um like, uh, on television, there was, like, a monster movie week marathon, and uh, that just set me off. I, I, I loved it. And I just started writing and uh, I guess, you know, didn't know I was going to get into film as a profession, but that's where it started.
0: I love those two answers because, you know, Lost Kings has that kind of mob crime uh, feeling to it, but then at the same time, there is a certain amount of horror within the world in which uh, these characters live. So if we could, let's get a quick history lesson from you guys. You know, how did you go from um, these kids that were watching films to, like, these men that are now creating Lost Kings, the web series?
5: Well, I started uh, gaining more exposure to film, like, doing music videos and um, watching music videos as well. Uh, like, directors like Hype Williams and director acting, seeing Network and seeing Hype Williams transition in the film, he kind of opened up the doors and, like, made me think it was possible.
3: Nice. Um, for me, I uh, actually was a theater kid, and I did a lot of acting, and then, um, but I really wanted to, I kind of got uh, to a point where I wanted to um, not just be saying uh, other people's lines, which, I mean, that's awesome, but I had a, a desire to learn the behind the scenes. Um, and I was fortunate enough that um, I got a job here in Baltimore as a production assistant on, on some John Waters movies and then eventually um, worked on The Wire as a location manager and started learning how these projects get made.
0: It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the director, Terrence Smalls, and producer, Michael Faulkner, of the web series, Lost Kings. Uh, Guys, you know, I I think it's really uh, cool that, you know, for Michael, for you, that you said you were working on The Wire. Because I know for a fact that some of the judges were just like, you know, this kind of, the series kind of reminds me of The Wire. But they felt like, um, and I can't, it's not a direct quote, but they were like, this is this is more than a web series. Like, they felt like it could actually be a living, breathing uh, TV show. So if you could, uh, Michael, maybe you could just, in your own words, what is the series about for the audience? Uh,
3: exa- exactly. It, it is, it, 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 we really would like to uh, make it into a full-blown uh, television series. I think there's a lot of um, issues that it explores while uh, it's kind of uh what would I say? And Terrence, feel free to jump in, but I I think that Lost Kings for the audience is you've got a hero that is dealing with a lot of really intense stuff and she, um, and the, and the drama is how she going to face this. And, uh, she always finds a way.
5: Yeah, I would agree. I think for the audience, uh, um, it's, it's different from the wire in the sense that, uh, it's for a different generation. Like, I remember being a kid and The Wire was more for adults, you know? Like, my grandmother was in love with The Wire. But this is, like, everything that's currently popping in Baltimore, ball in the one, you know? And mm-hmm. it talks about the issues that, you know, a lot of people face in Baltimore. Like, it started as a fiction, but if you kind of read the headlines of Baltimore, it's,
3: like, it's relative to what's going on. Absolutely. I fully agree with that. One of the things I love about Terrence's writing, as well as his directing, is he's he he never lets any of his characters be inhuman. Uh, in, in a even even when they're dealing with extreme situations, there he's always humanizing the scenario. Um, would you agree with that, Terrence? Yeah, I, I would. I would. I would say so. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know I'm like, a
0: I I love this I love this you know and that was one thing that I did want to talk about is um, universal storytelling I think I'm I'm a huge proponent for universal storytelling so you know with the max character I don't think you have to be you know black I don't think you have to be Um, you know, a female to, like, understand uh, what she's going through. Um, And so what you just kind of hit on there, uh, Michael, um, in terms of the writing, just in terms of, you know, humanizing the character and telling a universal story. Terrence, could you talk a little bit about the importance of doing that?
5: Yeah, I think it's, it's very important to, like, humanize, not only humanize, but even just, like, represent characters properly and like within the traditional sense and conventional ways of movie making, it's like a lot of people just get typecast, you know? So you don't even see their human side. You just see the, the caricature of like what their, you know, broadcast as. And I think with, um, like with a lot of the movies that I watch and appreciate, it's like even the, like Mike said, even the monsters, you know, or what you will perceive as the monsters, you, it's it's harder to call somebody a monster if you know why, you know, Acting the way they they act, so I think humanizing—not even humanizing, but just showing all
3: sides of the character—is very important. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and yeah, the reason I said humanize is exactly coming from it from another angle. Is is uh, I think audiences are smart. Audiences are smart enough that we don't have to just give them um, characters that are stereotyped or in a box, and it, yeah. it I think we want people We want to engage people's minds and their
0: imagination. Yeah, and I Pretty think much. I think I think that makes a, a, a lot of sense. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's what's winning right now, guys. Because there's so much film, there's so much TV, and there's so many web series out there that like people don't have time to watch something that um, they can't relate to or that doesn't you know grab them. But I think that Lost Kings definitely does. Again, it's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with director Terrence Smalls and producer Michael Faulkner of Lost Kings, the series. Um, Guys, if you could, kind of wrapping out here, uh, the last question that I want to ask, just in terms of, you know, kind of, Capturing the world um of uh Lost Kings. Uh what all went into that? Because I think you really definitely uh kind of captured Baltimore. Everybody feels less or like some again, some of the judges were like, This is like inner city Baltimore, you know, like they were just um really kind of blown away by it. So if you could talk about um that capturing the authentic Baltimore.
3: I think I'm gonna let Terrence take most of this question because um, even though I did locations on the wire and that we definitely utilized some of that to to uh, bring out the authenticity of Baltimore Terrence set out to make a, a film that was extremely authentic right down to the dialect um, and everything that everyone says um, and uh, you want to talk about the casting at all Terrence? Or? Yeah, um,
5: I think uh, it was basically just respecting like you know just that the authenticity and understanding like you couldn't get anybody to act the way that you know i've seen and heard people re- talk the way that way you know i've grown up in baltimore so it's like you you can't replicate it you know i've seen people try to replicate it and at the end of the day even going back and looking at like oh shows like you hear the original accents bleed through so it's just like And then the talent in Baltimore, it's like so much talent here. The personalities in Baltimore are respected personalities for whatever talent they have, whether it's rapping or dirt biking or whatever. So it's just like understanding like, yo, we don't have to go out of town to get people to act like the people that are already here doing it you
0: know so that makes that yeah. makes a lot of sense uh, one question uh cuz got definitely got to wrap out i would love to talk to you guys more as you can tell but um were the actors uh untrained cuz it did feel like it was untrained but that's what made it really un uh, authentic
5: yeah um actually we only had i believe two trained actors and both of them are still from baltimore but the, all the main actors this is their first time in a narrative film and yeah. Kind of like some, in some situations, it was kind of hard to, you know, convince people to spend that much time on a day, you know, on a set, but <laughs> everybody committed and knocked
3: it off the park. So
1: nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah.
3: We're thrilled with everyone's performances and want to shout out to uh, Wheelie Queen, with Doty, who is our protagonist and a heroine and um, does her own stunts in the movie.
0: Nice. Well, guys, if you could really quickly, uh, how can folks follow you guys on social media find out more about the film
5: um
0: yeah um, you can
5: follow me at 89 crowns and you can follow laws kings at laws kings underscore underscore and we actually have our premiere today in baltimore if
3: anyone's free at the charles theater at seven and my. Yeah. yep and uh my instagram 36 teagles um and we're very much looking forward to bringing the film down to uh your festival kevin and thanks for having us on today
0: yeah it's my pleasure um definitely looking forward to showing lost kings the series again it'll be playing uh in our saturday friends how many of us have them block Uh, so you definitely want to check that out guys thanks again for coming on picture lock
3: thanks for having us thanks a lot
0: that's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Louis T. Powell, Shayla Raquel, Patrick House, Terrence Smalls, and Michael Faulkner for coming on the show. Be sure to catch up on back episodes of the podcast and subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say Alexa, play Picture Lock, and tune in, and I'll come right up. Please leave a five-star review of the show as well. It helps to make sure that this show is heard by more people. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Be sure to follow me on the Stardust app for my quick movie TV and trailer reviews. I recently trashed the Venom trailer. I wish I could have had enough time to talk about it on this show. But uh, and I totally love Mission Impossible Fallout. So, you know, Stardust app is really cool. If you're not on it, go ahead, and jump on it. You can follow me. I'll follow you right back. Uh, It's just a fun way to quickly, it's like 30 seconds or less, talk about uh, the films, trailers that are coming out. So just look up at Picture Lock Show, and I'll be right there. Watch back episodes of the TV show at youtube.com slash picture lock show and subscribe to get my movie reviews. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. This week's question of the week is what's your all time favorite buddy or friendship movie? Drop me a voicemail at 202-350-1351 or send me an email and let me know at picturelockshow at gmail.com. Or hit me up on any of Picture Lock's social media pages, and I'll talk about it on the air next week. All music is done by Mike S. The Producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S. The Producer, numeral one, numeral three. And hit him up for your music production needs. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.